my analogy was is that the tennis ball machine, if, you, if each tennis ball represents a lead, or opportunity, I think is what we call them now, an opportunity, I could catch every single one because it'd be firing them at you. So you could catch each, each tennis ball or the lead, and then you put it in your left arm. You know, I catch it with my right arm, put it, cradle it in your, your left arm. So you've yeah. got, you keep putting these new leads in your left arm. So once you get past 10, 12, you can steep, keep, keep catching the next lead, but you put it in your left arm. And then as you do that, then you drop a couple. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 300. Yes, the 300th episode of the Real Estate Sessions podcast, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you so much for telling a friend. Those words have never meant more. I'm just grateful to everyone who listens to the show that that I'm allowed to continue to, to produce this content, to really satisfy my curiosity about people in the industry, and have you enjoy it as well. Uh, so this episode, I go deep with Gary Ashton. Gary is the founder of the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. Uh, unbelievable success story with Remax. In fact, he has the number one team in the world with Remax. We go deep into what brought Gary to this place. We talk about growing up in Great Britain. We talk about the musical career that Gary forged while there. Uh, and we also talk about the real estate world that he entered as a young man in Great Britain with his father how they transformed that into a real estate business in the United States, what did that look like, and how did Gary eventually get to Nashville? All of this we're going to cover in great detail. And I recorded this episode with Gary sitting in a, a dormant Starbucks <laughs> at the Aria Hotel during the Inman Connect Convention in October of 2021. So you'll hear a little bit of background noise. We were in a traffic area just off from the main convention center. I say we get started. Let's get this thing rolling. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing? Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. We're sitting here at the Aria Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're actually sitting at Starbucks. Come on. <laughs> Starbucks is. is closed for the last five days. Yeah, this it is in Starbucks. <laughs> I mean, uh, in Vegas. It is. It's Starbucks in the Aria in Vegas. Um, let me first, let me get your first reaction to Inman. You know, it was first time back in, in a couple of years live. What uh, What'd you feel about it? Um... So, I always like Inman just for the for the connections and for being the introductions that people will make um, and being able to stay ahead of uh, technology, you know, all the advancements in in real estate. But this time it was really interesting because I hadn't seen anybody essentially for eighteen months. So, just walking down the corridors, you just kept bumping into people and bumping into people that you hadn't seen for a long time. And um, that's, I think I was telling you earlier, that's when I realized I know a lot of people. I was able to facilitate some pretty uh, influential meetings, which was just me. You know, like somebody wanted to meet somebody else, and I said, oh, well, hang on, let me text them. And so being able to do that, but be face-to-face -to, -face to be able to kind of initiate that, that contact um, was pretty cool and then obviously because of that I met other people and just um, for me it was a really good networking it's always really good but this time for some reason it was a lot better I don't know maybe that's because we've been away for so long the event lived up to the name yeah sure. <laughs> so that was I mean, great it was good content here yeah. as well which is the other thing I think people can tell already you have a bit of an accent and I'd love to find out. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> you I'm can pull. Charlie from Nashville. You, like, you worked hard on that. That's good. <laughs> so let's talk about. Um, uh, you were born and raised in the UK. Where exactly? Let's see. Let's, so Leeds, in north of England, Yorkshire. Okay. Americans have a bad reputation in Europe. Well, For don't sure. forget, I, I moved here in 1990, so I don't really have that perception, first-hand experience, because I live. I'm an I'm an American. Yeah. What, how old were you when you moved here? Twenty 
six or seven, something like okay, that. Okay, so you you had already you you had made up your mind you were coming this way, but I know if you were even you left as a seven year old, you have a favorite soccer team. <laughs> yeah, I'm Leeds United. And and how's Leeds United done in the last I don't know decade or so, Gary? Uh, so just recently, I mean, we got promoted back to the Premiership after 16 years in the wilderness, as it were. So <laughs> last year they were promoted, and then awesome. this year were so last year they finished tenth, I think, and this year we're kind of struggling a little bit. Um, might be down in the lower third of the division, but I think we'll be okay. I don't know how many people know this because I had no idea about this this part of you, but um, you you're a musician, and I'm I'm not talking about you know just casually, uh, but let's talk about how old you were when you first started playing, and and let's, let's just talk like playing. Yeah, I think I was like any other kid that uh, took an interest in music. I think I was playing pots and pans with knitting needles, <laughs> and I was a kid, so that's when I was probably I don't know three or four. So yeah. And then I think my parents realized that I'm still playing and still fascinated with drums. So I think I got my first. So a kiddie, a kid's uh, drum kit would have been probably when I was, I don't know, I got it for Christmas, seven or eight, something like that. And I do remember that my cousin put a foot through the bass drum. So I was, oh. I was not happy about that. Oh, now. Uh, uh, was but, it was it um, an evil uncle or your parents who bought the drum kit for you? <laughs> no, my parents. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they were thinking too much. Um, <laughs> how, how loud that was going to be. And then I, you know, then I kept on playing, and then we moved to uh, another house, and um, the neighbor was a drummer. So, I mean, I think it, if I was ten, he was he was a little bit older. He's like eleven or twelve, but he had a drum kit. So. And he was my neighbor, so I got to hang out with him a lot, and then I eventually got my own drum kit. Your band was not uh, just some kind of a, we're just going to play local things. You opened up for, like, like Tears for Fears. Yeah, so the band, yeah, the band that I was in was called, uh, well, we were called Officer Dibble. And then we were playing locally around Leeds, Harrogate, and then Newcastle, which is like two hours away. So it's a... So when you're in England, that's a long, you're like a big deal because you've come from, a, you're an out-of-town band. So anyway, we, we would do that tour around, and we started getting a, you know, a name for ourselves. Then we ended up getting signed by a, a management company, and then that enabled the band to get to, um, to open for Christa Berg, primarily. Yeah. Uh, Tears for Fears it's another like, 80s band when we were in Newcastle we were beca- became really popular at this bar called Jewish Mother's Restaurant it was an awesome place and great restaurant we got on really well with the owner and then the time we were there and then Joe Cocker was there <laughs> uh, we were playing everybody was trying to get him to get up and sing so he did so he came up and sang and he played um, what's that one song A Little Help My Friends yeah so it was interesting because he was playing that. So, I mean, I kind of knew who Joe Cocker was. It wasn't a big, I wasn't like, oh, my God. It's, like now I'd be like, oh, there's Joe Cocker. That's <laughs> exactly. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he's singing. And then if, as the drummer, you kind of, you're the one that dictates in, in some ways when the song ends because you, you look at everybody and like, all right, let's, we're going to end it. So I would end the song after what would normally be, you know, three or four minutes, five minutes. He kept turning around to me and going, well, you can't see because it's podcast, but yeah. he's like waving his arms, coming, come on, let's keep going, keep going. <laughs> I think we, we played it for like 15 minutes or something crazy. <laughs> so that's my claim to fame with Joe Cocker. He, it's funny, I was watching on the, the flight out here, I watched a, a four-hour Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers documentary. Nice. And they talked about, like Tom Petty, the, the drummer is is everything to what's going to happen with that band it starts there right mm-hmm. like the drums and the bass well it's like anything it's the foundation if your foundation's not yeah. good or the then everything kind of starts to crumble around it so yeah, yeah if you got the strong foundation drums if the drums it's the one thing that everybody knows when i'm singing off key <laughs> yeah because right? everybody has a voice everybody yeah. 
everybody sings at some point. They know that they can't sing generally as a you know but you sing in the shower but you know you would never go try and sing on stage because you know you can't sing but it's the one thing that everybody it's the one instrument that everybody has so therefore everybody can be critical of a singer and they'll go oh my god that guy's amazing or oh she's oh that's awful yeah she's she has no clue but they don't always understand when a drummer's not good or a bass player's not good and when the timing is not good and it's just they just go i don't know what it is but if they got a great singer that'll that'll um they can recognize that and when they're a bad singer they can recognize yeah. that you put your music career on hold i guess to attend university are you still playing when you decide to go on to school well it wasn't university in england it was called polytechnic okay so i got a higher national diploma i didn't get a degree i got a hnd which is uh like a, a poor, if you weren't smart enough to get a degree, you, the next lower de- level down was to get a HND. All right. So I did that in Newcastle. What were you studying? It was business studies and marketing. Okay. That's for all the people that don't know what they want to do. So, but, I, <laughs> but I have my kind of, I think you call it an elective here. So I wanted to do, I like to advertise and marketing and things like that. So. Very convenient. Yeah. Very, very convenient for what you're doing today. Yeah. Um, but we, we have to get you to the U.S. Yeah. What was that story? So me and my dad had uh, what you would call mom and pop motels. Okay. We had two in the, an area called Hare Hills, Chapel Town of Leeds. So it wasn't the nicest of areas, but we had a really good um, business with, with guys working on um, in construction. They were... Leeds was going through a bit of a growth spurt, so these guys would come in from Newcastle, actually, um, come down for for the week, and then leave on Friday after work to go back back home. Our hotel was pretty much empty on the weekends, and then full of these working guys during the week. So it was great because we had consistency. You ended up you ended up in Florida though. Oh, so so the story there is yeah so. It was a pretty rough area, so I had to sleep out in the what you would call the parking lot um, in a trailer, so that because all the cars were getting broken into, so they need somebody out there to stop stop them getting into. So I did that. So then I was like, we need to get out of here because it's not a great area. Because we'd sold the hotels, we went to we had our, like our last family vacation, as it were. Me, my dad, um, my brother, and mum. Went to um, Florida, so we had a called a twin center holiday. So we had a week in a place called Hollywood. Oh yeah, down south. Yeah, yeah. So we did a week there, and then you had a week in um, Orlando, so we could do uh, Disney World and all that good stuff. Sure. So yeah. Um, so came to America and loved it because all I'd ever seen of America was all the TV shows, and it was. I do remember coming and going, wow, everything's new, which is uh-huh. different to England, where I'm from. So, And then I remember thinking, well, nobody breaks down. There's no cars that were broken down. Everybody looked like they had a really nice car. So then came back, and then, because we'd sold the hotels, I was looking in the, the Daily Express. So the Daily Express is a national newspaper, but England's about the size of Florida. So, But you would have a newspaper that would cover the whole of the country. I saw in the in the back there a little ad for businesses for sale in Florida so so I sent off for that and it turned out it was an English guy that was selling businesses in in Florida so looked him and it was it was real businesses it was like a dry cleaners a, um, uh, any kind of like true business like restaurants um, and some of them were hotels so but at that point we didn't want to do hotels again anyway so he sent the stuff over. Me and my dad flew out. We got a flight to look. So we went for two weeks to find a business in Florida because we decided we were going to move to... I don't know why. We're going to move to Florida. It's a bit crazy now when I'm thinking back on it. So we ended up looking at a couple of businesses. Like I said, a dry cleaner. There was a motorcycle, motorbike shop. Um, all these businesses were, they were good, but they didn't have... the little bit far from what we knew which was the hotel business so we ended up 
look, starting to look at hotels, narrowed it down to that, and then found one place in Daytona Beach Shores, put a, an offer on that, which was accepted, so then we went back to England. But then when we got back to England, the guy wanted to change the contracts. Oh, boy. Yeah. So we said, nah. And then decided to come back out again um, <laughs> with no return ticket and then just find something. Well, the same guy, he was he said, we're going to find a hotel. Okay. So that was our mission was to drive around Florida and find places. Until you found a place. <laughs> well, I knew that we wanted to be on the coast. Yeah. So we wanted to be, you know, waterfront or close to the oceanfront, but driving distance to Orlando. So that was really the criteria. Yeah. And then... Good analysis. Yeah. So, because that's what the Brits do. They would come over and have a week in Florida and a week in, week on the, week at the beach. Yep. So we did that and then we found a place in Clearwater Beach. I remember that we landed September the 6th, 1990, and then bought the place by October the 2nd. So it was pretty quick. Wow. Yeah. But we had cash. So it was, we had a, a decent, cash down payment so you're in nashville and so some for some reason you had to leave clearwater which is an amazing town we had the hotel for 10 years my dad decided he wanted to retire there was a developer coming around trying to talk to the hotel owners and pick them off one by one i said we should all organize and stay together and um and sell collectively and bargain collectively as it were so in the end the developer it was all it didn't work out but once i had planted the seed of selling in my dad's head now you you almost you're thinking of what you can do once you once it's sold so mum and dad wanted to go from in an rv and travel around america and all that good stuff so i was already I was playing in drums in England, so when I came to America, I started. I was still playing, and I met a couple of guys from England, and we we started doing pretty well. Long story short, I moved to Nashville. I we'd sold the hotel, we had the money, although we had to go and do uh, reinvest it to ten thirty one exchange. Sure. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So moving to Nashville, I moved up to Nashville. I was married at the time, so I moved to Nashville. I was going to be the advanced guard. I was going to do music. I was going to be a session guy. I was going to, you know, all this stuff. And that's when I realized that, I, you know, I think I'm good. But when you get to Nashville, just being good is like completely way below average because so many people in Nashville are so talented. Right. To make some money, really. Right, right. Is, is that where real estate enters the picture then? Where well, you because of the 1031 exchange, the idea was always I'm going to get my real estate license. Gotcha. <clears throat> will buy investment properties. I'll have my license, so I'll have the inside scoop. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be able to keep the commission, but I also know what's going on. I'll right. figure out and we'll buy rental properties. So that's what we did. You know, bought the rental properties, but I soon realized that I wasn't going to make any money doing music. So I had a lot of friends in the music business, um, you probably I mean, to this day you still do I oh, would yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and <laughs> buddy plays bass for Carrie Underwood I got uh, another one plays bass for Dan and Shay so I got friends in the wow. music business you know guitarists and uh, that's awesome other friends that are producers yeah so I got a lot of friends in the music business which yeah. I mean in Nashville by default you have friends in the music business right right doesn't matter where you are you know so, you, you know people you we were chatting and you. You one of one of the things you did He's keeping that, me on track here. I can tell. Just doing my best. <laughs> one of the, one of the things I um I just thought was brilliant was you early on realized the power of the internet. It started with the with the motel mm. because I used to work at. So when I left college, I worked in an advertising agency. Right. Couldn't and I worked for free because this is when nobody could get a job in England. So I was on the dole. But then I would go and work in the advertised agency because the idea is that at least that way I would get some experience so then I would be able to get a job. And they were terrible, really, because they, they kept me on, on the dole. 
So they were getting me for free. And, uh, <laughs> but I was getting experience, so I don't know. It worked out in the end. Uh, so anyway, so I, that enabled me to have more knowledge and experience of working in the advertising world. Um, <laughs> I got fired from that because I wouldn't clean up the parking lot. That was... That was <laughs> yeah, it was uh, look, I, I applaud you. I applaud you for that, getting yeah, fired. I wanted just to go and sweep up because some... <laughs> Some big clients were coming in. I said, I'm not <laughs> sweeping the parking lot. I got fired. Anyway, so so the, we bought the motel in 1990, so pre-internet. So then all of a sudden, this thing called the internet started coming out. This yeah. was the mid-90s. So we were one of the first motels to to have a website. Not wow. the very first, but we were kind of like you know, 97, 98, something like that. And, and this would be kind of pre-transactional but it was definitely people could find you so what i used to do was take was buy an ad in the back of the sunday express which is a national newspaper really only like an inch by an inch by an inch like tiny ad the display ad so we'd have it in the back of that in the travel section and my mum was still in england so we put a, a Leeds phone number, mm. an advert for for vacations in Florida, holidays in Florida. So people would call because it was uh, you had a massive reach. Essentially, it's a yeah. small ad, but a massive reach. So we were advertising to the Brits. So our hotel was like ninety to one hundred percent occupancy, which is really really good. Wow! But it was full of Brits, pretty much, um, and then full of Americans in the traditional. Um, winter season sure but if you if, I mean I know this now but in the summer that was like the low season yeah like July August because it's really miserable <laughs> but that's the traditional time when the Brits would come to Florida so don't forget this is in the 90s where the Brits hadn't figured out that it's really really hot <laughs> in Florida you didn't tell them in the ad right yeah, no. so anyway so so I knew how to reach a mass audience of Brits and for if you only had 15 rooms and you know we were double booked a lot of time and overflowed. So when the internet came along, we ended up getting a website, which was Bay Breeze and then the numeral one. So we kind of been that good because somebody already had Bay Breeze. The name of the hotel was Bay Breeze. Yeah. So we did that. And then um, that's when I got into the website stuff because that's prior to that, we'd had a trip, a, a trifold brochure that typical brochure yeah brochure. yeah yep the the website initially was just the trifold brochure on online it was good so that's i think that's where i got to figure out the the uh, user experience you had to make sure it, it worked well right and it was logical for somebody that was coming that that liked the pictures of the of the overall hotel but then we wanted to see what prices were yep. And then wanted to see what the room looked like. Then wanted to see the floor plan. Then yeah. wanted to see the pictures. So I did all that. So then when we sold the hotel and then moved to to Nashville, the first thing I bought was GaryAshton.com because I wanted the email Gary at GaryAshton.com. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So, so we did that. And then I wanted to get involved in... Websites, you know, to lead generation for, for real estate. So this is, is still late 90s? No, this is 2001. No. Okay. This is the earliest, early days of this. It's yeah, just it's getting rolling. I, I remember that the IDX had just started. So I went yeah. to my managing broker and said, so I can have a website with every listing on, and I don't have to have the listing agent's name and number, so people will call me for information. And she said, yeah, just started. It's all legal. So I was like, whoa. So <laughs> I got a website. I think I got advanced access way back then. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then, so I got the website, which is great. So how do you get the traffic to the website? And then pay-per-click came along. So I was like, oh, that's how you get people to your websites. Because I couldn't get in the organics. Right. The SERPs. So, um, so this is, this is, you're not. You're not classically, you said, mentioned, you're not a coder, you're not classically trained. No. But that marketing side of you is just going, this is an opportunity that I can't 
pass up. I mean, I just remember looking at Google because Google before that it was all Netscape and Yahoo. Yeah, and then yeah. Google came along, and I liked Google like everybody else liked Google. Yeah, um, and then I was like, how do I get into the organic rankings? I didn't know what it was then, but that was like, how do I get yeah. in there? And then all of a sudden, I would see these things at the top of the page, which was the pay-per-click. And so I figured out how to get there. There was only like one or two people doing it. Like one of my first deals was a click from that ended up being a guy called Rich Peluso. He was the president of EMI Christie Music Group. And he put his real phone number, put his real email address, <laughs> and I called him up. Because I was really – the other thing is I learned very quickly that as soon as somebody registers, you need to be calling them. So yeah. everybody knows that now. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, back then – They're talking almost 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I had the leads. This is how old I am. They, the, if somebody registered on the site, it was an email registration, but I figured out that you could get the email – to also go to your pager because your pager had an email address. So it would trigger my pager. Wow. I would go, oh, yeah. somebody just registered. So what, then I would go to my email and I would call literally really, really quickly. Yeah. But so, so pay-per-click back then was like one or two leads a day. So it wasn't, wasn't yeah. overwhelming. It was just me. So I was doing pay-per-click in there. Uh, Rich Palooza was the first big deal and. When I found out who's the president of EMI Christian Music Group, he liked the fact that I was English. He was a big Beatles fan. Oh, boy. So <laughs> most of our conversation on that first was was music. And then, you know. Yep. Because it'd be, now, where are you from? Yeah. I'm from England. And then, uh, what are you doing in Nashville? And then I would talk about the music, which is what I tell the agents on the team now. We have so many agents that have been through American Idol or The Voice or just really talented musicians, and then talent is no guarantee of success. So you got to, just like me, you got to find a, something else to do until you become yeah. successful. These are agents on your team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I always tell them, don't hide the fact, because some of them want to separate. So oh, people don't want to know about the music. I said, yes, they do, because this adds a different level of of interest for somebody when they're talking to you. If they find out you're a musician, that's quintessentially Nashville. That's what Nashville's known for, music, essentially, and healthcare. But You get aligned with Nashville.com. So, who had that domain? Yeah, uh, Dave Costello still has it. I've uh, forgotten his brother's name. Um, so they were trying to so – they had Nashville.com. It was ranking for everything. Yeah. This is, again, back in 2004, I think it was, okay. two, three. And so, at this point, I'm doing pretty well with pay-per-click because that one house I told you about, Richard yeah. Peluso, he ended up buying a $1.3 million house. And he, his house that was for sale, I did open houses there, and I got, I think I got four deals out of it. So, wow. for that penny click, I had a massive return on investment, yeah. which meant that I would go to two pennies and three pennies. So, yeah. so, um, so I, would, I would always be... Number one in, in the paper clicking, you know. Yep. Always make sure I was up there. And so the guys that own Nashville.com were, had this website that was generating all these leads, but they couldn't find anybody to pay for it, to yeah. see the or, value. Or, or skilled enough to handle, because leads are just leads. You got to be able to know what to do with it. Yeah. Those. So what happened was yeah. they, they, you know, really, if they could have, like today, they probably wouldn't be able to get hold of me because there'd be some filter and somebody say, uh, I'm sorry, is it a conference? Can I take a message or something? Right, and right. This is some things I do worry about. But anyway, they um, they couldn't get through to the Remax owners or the big brokerages in town. So I think initially it went to another brokerage and they went to they tried it. And they went to their relocation department. So the mm. people in the relocation department would take the lead, yeah. and it would sit for four or five days. Yep. <laughs> and then eventually they go, "Oh, we we should probably give this out to Bill. Bill, do you want a lead? <laughs> yeah, thank you." And then you call up and go, "Are you interested in you know buying in Nashville?" And that was 
you know, like a week later, because you weren't mm. the first. There was no urgency, right? So, right, right. Anyway, so they decided we need somebody who understands internet leads. Still in its infancy, really. And so I was number one in pay-per-click. So they got, they called me. Nice. And they said, hey, we uh, we have a proposition for you. For $2,000 a month, which was like, whoa. A lot of money. A lot of money. We'll give you all the leads on the website. So I was like, eh, I don't know about that. They said, well, you're, you're generating them for I'm, pennies. I'm, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So... Then they said, well, okay, we'll give you the leads free for a week as a proof of concept. Mm. Okay. See what you think. And Because back then it wasn't, there was no pictures. It was just a form. Yeah. And um, they had a lot of traffic. So with the pay-per-click, it was like a, I say a tap, you say a faucet. So okay. like little drips of water. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would get maybe... Two or three leads a day, okay. which is very I, manageable. I could do all that. I could yeah. call. I could, you know, and as you're building up your database, by the end of the month, you, you know, you had 20 or 30 leads and maybe 10 or 15 of those were good. Yeah. <clears throat> and so when I got national.com and then they turned on the leads, it was like from a drip, drip, drip to like just gushing with leads. Wow. And so that's when I... So I had to take the risk of taking all those leads. So I did that, and then that's essentially how the team started. You're on your own at this yeah, time? Yeah, I'm on my own, So yeah. this is what helps you. This is the prompt. I got to get some people with me. Yes. I got to build a team. Yep. So that's, that's how it starts. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. We got to get you to Remax. So the, so the reason that I went to Remax was because I was with a, a big regional company, mm-hmm. but it, it, it wasn't known... Um, nationally. Right. So the website with national.com was really all about, it was just national.com. It was just a page that would rank for everything. And then real estate was just a section. But the, to get to the real estate section, you had like a, 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 you could have the logo of the real estate company on the, on the homepage. Gotcha. And that's why I went to Remax because Remax has that world, um, presence you know it's, it's the most recognized brand yeah. in real estate still I, to this day right yeah and i always yeah. say it you know would i have chosen a balloon no <laughs> but now everybody knows if they see that balloon with the three red white and blue right right you don't even have to say remax on it it's 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 an iconic logo so people know that that, that that's real estate so yeah. having that logo on national.com was much better than having an unknown like even back then, Keller Williams wasn't really a, na- a big national brand. So right. I went with Remax, and uh, that enabled me to generate all a lot of business, basically. So here's the other analogy that I always use: like if you have a tennis ball machine, this you're in a, you know practicing tennis, so where the, the ball keeps shooting tennis yeah. balls at you, so you can return them. Yep. So my analogy was is that the tennis ball machine, if you if each tennis ball represents a lead or opportunity, I think is what we call them now, an opportunity, I could catch every single one because it'd be firing them at you. So you could catch each each tennis ball or the lead, and then you put it in your left arm. You know, I catch it with my right arm, put it, cradle it in your your left arm. So you've yeah. got you keep putting these new leads in your left arm. So once you get past ten, twelve, you can steep. Keep keep catching the next lead, but you put it in your left arm, and then as you do that, then you drop a couple. <laughs> yep. So yep. So that that was the real. I could, I knew I could take all the leads, but then I had to figure out. I need to instead of putting my left arm, I need to quickly give that to Steve or Mary or yeah Michelle or you know. It's like a hot potato. You need yeah. to get rid of it as soon as possible. And then, then I realized that every time I took the lead, I would call and I'd go, hey, it's Gary Ashton with, oh, it was Remax went back then, but I would be the one that would develop the relationship with the people on the phone. So, right. And normally they'd be like, oh, I wasn't expecting a call. And I would go into my whole spiel. Well, we'd like to make sure we give you good service. And, yeah. Well, I wasn't, I don't really need to talk to a realtor. Eventually, so they start with this brick wall in front of you, and you kind of you kind of shouting over the wall, 
And as you keep the conversation going, you take one brick down, and then yeah. you take another brick down. The next thing you actually see the person you're talking to, because now they're getting to see your personality and yeah. know a little bit more about you. And they're like, yeah. well, where are you from? Uh, well, I'm from England. And oh, what are you doing in Nashville? Oh, I'm a drummer <laughs> and I came here. And all Boom. of a sudden the wall's down and they're going, and then they, all, then they realize, well, actually, this is a good resource. He's telling us about the areas and telling us about information that we need. We know about the pricing, you know, the distances, all that good stuff. So yeah. at the end of the call, they would, they would usually say, oh, I'm so glad you called. Whereas at the beginning of the call, like, uh, I wasn't expecting a call. But yeah. because of it, you know, as that wall comes down, you start creating the, the value that they need. They realize that this is somebody that I actually need to talk to. This is stuff that's taught today, how to, how to build relationships and how to be that, how to handle that phone call. Yeah. But once again, I think back in the early 2000s, a lot of people would take this lead and go, ah, they're not interested. I'll just move on to the next person. Because they're looking for somebody who wants to buy right yeah. now, not doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I love American sports, right? I, yeah. I, I worked for the Padres for 12 years. And, ah, okay. and so uh, you connected with both the Titans and the Predators. So, so And this is more recent, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, because, yeah. So yeah, the Titans were, I think it was 2007 or something like that. So I'm doing pretty well with the, with the internet stuff. And the Titans were looking for a new general manager. That, I've forgotten the name of the, the one that was retiring, but. So they, they interviewed a bunch of people. It was Mike Reinfeld who actually got the job, but he was in Seattle at the time. So I think he must have came home and said to his wife, hey, there's an opportunity in Nashville. I think, we might, I think I'm on the list, you know, to go, get, go down for an interview. So her next thing was, it was Susan, his wife, said, oh, let me find out about real estate. So it wasn't Google, actually. I remember because I, mm. I asked her how she... She, she found us. Yeah. She went to Yahoo and typed in Nashville real estate. Well, I was number one. So she registered on the site. I saw the lead. She was looking at two and a half to three million dollar homes. Okay. So I said, Oh, I'll take that one. Sure. And uh, that's, your, that's your right. <laughs> yeah. So then I called her and got on great with her on the phone. Mm-hmm. And she was asking about certain homes and um, school information. So I sent all information on schools, sent her all yep. the links, and, and then went out and just found out information about the houses. So, I mean, they're two and a half million, three million dollar homes. So I went out and took additional pictures. And yeah. so she thought I was amazing because I would create. Yeah. Um, it was through Google. What was that called? Picasso. Uh, yes, you could upload yes. all your pictures, and yes. she was thinking I was creating this massive website, and it's like, oh, he's amazing. But I was just taking a lot of pictures. Yeah, so I would do literally take sixty or seventy pictures of a home. So there was extra work there, but for me, I was thinking for a two and a half million dollar purchase, I should be doing a lot of extra work. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Susan loved me. She thought I was great, and then she said, "Okay, my husband now is coming down." He's made the shortlist. He's coming in for an interview. Sure. So I met with Mike. And Mike is typical. He's used to ex-football player. Used to play for the Houston Oilers. So that okay. was a good connection. Yep. And uh, me and him got on great. Wow. Uh, and and he, he liked me because he said I didn't blow smoke up his rear end is what he said. Yeah. Because he said a lot of people, when they're, if, they're, if, you, if they're kind of famous, then people, they're like sycophants, I guess. A little yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so me and him got great, and he ended up getting the job. At the time, another company had just signed a, a contract to be the official real estate brokerage team agent. And so he came home to to Susan and said, I love Gary, but uh, I'm going to have to work with the official because they just signed, and you know I've just taken over as a general manager, and I need to be towing the company line and doing what. And she said, nope. You're working with Gary. And he went, okay, that's it. So now he could go back and say, I'd love to work with, but my wife already has a realtor. So that was his first kind of you know, <laughs> move as the new general manager. He also told Susan that he was desperately trying to figure out how to get out of this contract because he wanted me to be the official realtor. And he couldn't because it, it was a signed contract. So yeah. there was no, yeah. So he, he told me, he said, look, we just got to wait. 
wait until that contract ends. That's and awesome. I'll bring you in. 2012, then I, he got me in. But at this point, Mike was getting fired because, you know, that's what happens with the NFL. Yeah, NFL stands for not for long. Everybody knows that in the NFL. So it's not like a, oh, my God, he got fired. It's like, oh, okay. And he usually go get another job somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So so Mike made sure that I got in. Did that open the door to the Predators? In? So, well, the, the Predators came about because I was with another brokerage at the time. And so that lady became, had the opportunity to become the official realtor of the Predators. And she wanted to do it with me. And I said, probably better that you do the Preds, I'll do the Titans. And so that's what we did. And then years later, she was not the Preds realtor anymore. And then they came to me and said, would I be interested? Because you're, you're with Remax now. They've yeah. seen what you're doing so with. They, you know. they were very much aware because I would much more uh, inclined to make sure people knew I was the Titans, the association, sure. and I was sure. social media. And yeah. So they came to me and said, you know, would you be interested? And I was like, uh, yeah. Sure. So that was three years ago now. And all of that, you know, I think the, uh, as you think back, you, you talked about, you talked to your your agents that have some sort of connection to Nashville, the yep. music scene, that whole yep. thing, right? Um, that's that's all you do. That's what you did. You just had these connections. You you had connections to music. Yep. You utilized those connections yep. to start conversations that yep. interested people. Yeah. It, it's not rocket science. No, I think I think it's with everything though. You the everything that I did. I remember when I f- first got my license, got my first deal. I went around everybody in the brokerage saying, can you check this? Is this right? This is yeah. good. This is right. Yeah. And then the mortgages, I went down and sat in the office with the lady that ran all the the mortgage division. And she'd been in it for a long time. She was like a massive producer. Yeah. So I sat down in her office and said, I, I don't understand. What is this? What's that? And so she told me that you don't need to know everything. You just need to know enough to be able to sound knowledgeable, know what you're talking about, and then make that introdu- introduction to her. Yeah. So that's what I did. I, you know, started to know what THDA was and FHA and yeah. all the different programs, the conventional, how much you had to put down, why you had to put so yeah. much down, yeah. just the process. So you don't need to be an expert in that field, but you need to know an expert in that field, but you need yeah. to know enough to be able to bridge that gap to to the yeah. to the expert. Yep. So you but you have to know enough to be able to show people that you can open that gate. You know, you had to create your own. Basically you outgrew where the team was getting so big where you had to have your own operations. You have your own There's a longer story, but yes. <laughs> go ahead. Let's hear it. Well, I was in another office um and the owner of that office wanted, I think was maybe getting a little threatened by the size. I had 70 agents at the time. Wow. So this is 2000, oh, I can't remember, 2014, 15. People weren't very favorable on teams or teams were getting big. Yeah. And people were going, oh, teams are, they're a problem. You need to get rid of those because if they get too big, they're going to get too big for their britches and then they're going to want this and they're going to want that. Right. So it was an element of that. So I was, you know, the big team. I was a third of the business essentially. So I think that they thought if we let this guy get any bigger, he's going to leave right? and then take everybody with him. So let's see if we can kind of uh, circumvent that by getting rid of him and then keeping his team so that's essentially what happened Yikes. It got broke i got broker released and then the agents on the team were given a week to decide if they wanted to stay at the brokerage or come with me so and i didn't have a brokerage so it was uh this is when mrs beagle came into her yeah you know and she was part of your team already yeah so she <laughs> she joined the team <laughs> i met deborah because i was Oh, Mike Reinfeld, this guy that was going to, he was selling his house. Yeah. And it was in a, in a subdivision called Laurelbrook, which is a 
high-end gated subdivision. There was a uh, a broker open, like pr progressive. Sure. Yep, yep. So I thought I should go to this because there's four houses, four or five houses. I should I should know all these other realtors or sure. make sure that they know me. Yeah. And uh, my car was in for service, so I got somebody to drop me off. Johnny, I think it was, dropped me off at the at the the subdivision at the first house, and then I knew that I could. Just hitch a ride yeah. for somebody yeah. else. Like, hey, sure. give me a ride next one. Yeah. So, first house was 16,000 square feet. It was a massive house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like, I think it was 8 million back then, which is, you know, obviously a lot. So, yeah. but walking through, I kept, I bumped into this lady and she had a, another girl with her, uh, Molly. And <laughs> I would just say, oh, great house, nice house. So, you know, yeah. you walk through. And then you go through another room, and next, two minutes later, oh, you again. Oh, yeah, it's a great <laughs> house. What do you think? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Next, again, are you stalking me? Because <laughs> we keep bumping into each other. Yeah. So just just general, you know, nothing. Just, just chit-chat. Chit-chat. Just yeah. friendly chit-chat. Yeah. And then when I came to leave, I, this lady was getting into a uh, this big black Cadillac, and I said, hey, can I get it right? And it was Deborah. <laughs> it was Deborah. And I think she looked at me and went, this is, hmm, well, I can't, <clears throat> I guess he's a realtor and there's not, I don't, he doesn't look threatening and yeah. I'm only going 50 yards to the next house. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, then I just started chatting. And then she says that I, I gave her a business card and then she went, ooh, this is Gary Ashton. So apparently I had a reasonable reputation sure so she knew who it was because i but i did tell her that i was getting the titans account i didn't have it then yeah and i think maybe she thought whoa this guy is he yeah. full of yeah and then i did get the Titans account but the the yeah. i'm you've met deborah so deborah's yep. like perfectionist and everything mm -hmm. and i would go into her office i didn't have an office but i would go in her office and it was just like designer real estate everything was <laughs> Just so neat, and there's all these awards on the wall. You know, she's a top producer. So I would go in, and she had all these builders. She had all the listings, and I had all the buyers. That was my thing. I never really had listings. So that I, I would go in and say, you need to join my team. You know, when are you going to join my team? And I was joking, really, like 75% yeah. like serious. No, joking. 25%, well, if she comes, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, I I mean, I kept going in. I'd pop in and I'd say, you ready? You're going to join my team? And then she'd ask me some questions. Well, how many buyers do you have? And I would tell her. And then she, I think she thought, well, this is a way of me saving money and all this money I'm spending on advertising. This guy's got all the, yep. all the buyers. Yep. That makes sense for me to join his team. Because now, wow. so she did, and I, c I couldn't believe it. Still can't believe it to this day. Best thing ever <laughs> happened. So she joined the team, and then team meetings. I would kind of get up and waffle a little bit. I'm not a great speaker, but then Deborah would just kind of, kind of just come and stand up and start explaining why you need to do this. And so she was just a natural leader, and and. She it's liked a, training and teaching. Yin -yang, yin yeah, yin so she too, loved all yeah. that. And then, yeah. you know, you've met Deborah. Deborah, everybody loves Deborah. Yeah. Gary, I, but this has been amazing. Uh, I really, the, the conversation has been great and I, I love your stories. Mm -hmm. But now I got to give you the last question we give every guest on the podcast since day one with Jay Thompson. And that is what is one piece of advice you would give a new agent just starting in the business? And I know just one's started. tough. Yeah, they're brand new. I would just join a team. Huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. This can I ask, can I follow up on that? Yeah. Do, do you have people who, who uh, they join your team, mm -hmm. they get, they, 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 you can tell they're a winner. They really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Are you upset if they decide to move on and do their own thing or do you go, no, that's good for them? Mm, I mean, a little bit of both because okay. you, honestly, you want them to stay because they're, they're a top producer. And but then you also realize maybe they're going to be, be more successful on their own or so right. you, you know i'm not i'm not i don't go oh great leavers <laughs> you we built you up and you create all this business for you and you're gonna leave that's fantastic okay <laughs> 
Well, that's honest. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I'd rather they stayed. Gotcha. But I'm not going to go. There's, I'm not going to try and be, um, stop their career or right, try and, right. yeah. you know, be the, be a hindrance and things like that. So, right. I, I always I, wonder about that because I, have, I actually yeah. have a friend that I was on the team. He left because he was from Durango, Colorado. Mm, okay. So he left and he came to me and said, Hey, you know, good news. The wife's pregnant, but I think we're going to, she wants to go back to yeah. Durango. So, so I really helped him, um, Ryan Poppy. So Ryan is an awesome success story because he then moved to Durango, uh, went for the work with the Remax up there. I, I mean, I think he will tell you that I, I opened the door to a lot of my connections yeah. so that he um, could learn from those. Um, long story short, another long story short, he now owns that brokerage. He bought it. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, so, hey, he learned what he, he, learned what he yeah, could from he will, you and Deborah. He and, always and tells people that. that I'm the reason, which is not true, but I definitely helped, assisted a little bit. I mean, yeah. he obviously did it himself. But. That's great. Um, one one final question. You're you're the second number, final question. Yeah, yeah. This is a little bit a little bit out of character for me. Yeah. You're the number one remix team in the world. In the world. Yeah. Yep. That that has to feel good. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so every ever since I started, I was always number one at something. So I was number one in the in the office, or number one in the the city, or sure. number one in the county, or Number one in uh, what I was always trying to be number one at something, so that was my goal. Even yeah. when I was at the other Remax, I was the number one Remax team in Nashville. Well, the guy that was the number one in the office, his in the brokerage, his office was in Franklin. So I've so <laughs> I think that it was true. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was number one Remax <laughs> team in Nashville. That's uh, awesome, Gary. Uh, I really can't thank you enough for for spending the time here with me this morning and sure. uh, continue continued success. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash re sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. 